Going once, going twice, sold. You're listening to The Property Pod, an accessible and easy way to get into or help understand the goings-on of the property market. Join Aaron, John and Pat as they discuss all things real estate, most likely get sidetracked and then try and rein it all back in as they present The Property Pod. Morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Property Pod. Unfortunately, Aaron is not here with us this week as he's up on Noosa enjoying a week away. So I'm on the mic working the controls. So bear with me, people. Yeah. Uh, today I've got John McGregor with me, though. So that's always good to have him here in the studio. Well, I think this is the first time it's just been us two, isn't it? You've had Aaron and uh, Aaron and you because I'm you know off gallivanting doing things that aren't productive, but I'm still here, mate. So I think that's a good start. <laughs> exactly. And look, I. Be honest, I'm new to working these controllers, so fingers crossed we can get an episode out today, but I'm sure when Aaron gets back to do a bit of editing for me, he will work his magic and we can pull this together. But I'm pretty excited today because we've got a couple of guests in the studio, which is fantastic. We've actually got Paul Bennell and James Collins from Ronald Young Builders. Welcome, guys. Uh, thank you very much, Patrick. It's great to be here. Yeah, so basically I thought today we'd get you guys in to talk all things building. Obviously, we have a lot of Generation Y, Generation X um, families that are looking to build homes and they don't really know what the process is, I guess. So who better to get in and have a chat than the guys we do a bit of work with? So I guess tell us a little bit about yourself, Paul, and how you got into the industry. Well, Patrick, uh, at Ronald Young & Co Builders, we're a family-owned business. The uh, Ronald Young Builders is uh, 50 years old next year. And uh, my wife and I are just the uh, the third owners. So um, we build residential homes in southern Tasmania for families and uh, first-home buyers alike and... uh, we have a, a free design service, which James will talk about shortly, and um, it's uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. I'm a builder by trade, and uh, this is a natural progression for us to build and, and put families in homes. Wow, over 50 years, it sounds like we've got the right person in the studio to talk <laughs> building. <laughs> yeah, so James, yourself, you've been in the mm-hmm. industry for a bit as well? I have. Um, I come from a design background, so design and drafting and what have you, and design and sales manager at Ronald Young Builders. I've been there for be nearly nine years now, but in the mm-hmm. industry for probably about 18 years. So, uh, John, what you might know is James actually designed my first place when I built. Oh, it did, yeah. Yeah, so oh, 2006 great. or yeah, seven, yeah. James Many built. Many ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing, got way in over my head, managed to get out of it somehow, but <laughs> it was good fun. <laughs> Jumping in the deep end is fun, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's always fun. <laughs> when you've got a dad like mine, it's like, it's all right, just do that extra feature. It's only an yeah. extra $1,000. But then when you have, you know, 30 or 40 of those extra $1,000 things, all of a sudden it's a lot more expensive. Isn't Amazing, eh? Like people, people like will give you those opinions when there's like 10, 20 years past your financial point at this minute. It's like, mate, it's just another grant, just another two, five. It's like, oh my God, I have no money in my bank account right now. It's like, thanks, Dad. Baked <laughs> beans for the next 10 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he was right in the end, James. It all worked out pretty well for me. But Excellent. I guess, um, like I said, we want to get your take on what is actually involved, I guess, in building a home. So if I was a, a first home builder and I walked into your office and sat down with you guys, how would I go about building a place? Well, the, the first uh, first thing that I uh, recommend to any person is to come and meet with with the builder or several builders. Uh, mm. Feel comfortable with your builder. We do that regularly with young people. They tell us what sort of home they'd like, where they'd like to live, what their budget may be. And then the second most important thing is to actually find a parcel of land. And once you've done that to build your dream home on, um, we, of course, will come and have a look at that block of land for you before you purchase it, just to make sure there's no um, concerns with it, no pitfalls. There might be some some poor soil or there might be some connection issues with uh, services. So we'll have a look at that. It's all free of charge. And then we'll recommend to you, yes, this is a good block or maybe it's not a 
good block and you mm. might not want to look somewhere else. So that's the first port of call. I've had that happen to me when I've been selling blocks of land. Um, they've said, oh, I want to get my builder out to check over it. And obviously building properties in the past myself, I sort of know some of the things to look out for, but it's definitely, I think, a very handy feature for somebody that has no idea because you look at an internal block, all of a sudden there's more cost in driveways and connection fees. And That's right. And there are other issues as well. And because we do this every day, we, we know what to look for. Yep. Obviously, you will not know all subsurface conditions until a, a saw report's done, and that's something we can advise on at the same time. But generally, most blocks of land, uh, we can have an educated guest on the soil as well and give you some advice on that. We know most of the areas around town now where we've had saw reports done, so we can, we've got a bit of a history there. Yeah, so like um, we're in a new subdivision somewhere. Um, you may have already built there, and so you already know sort of what the conditions are potentially going to be like, so you've got a bit of an, an inside right. knowledge, I that's guess. That's right. And so following uh, the purchase of the block of land, then there's another visit back into our office, and that's where James comes into it with his team, and we talk about the design of the house. So I might throw to James on that one, and he can take over from there. Oh, so this is where you get to draw the pretty pictures, James. Pretty much. <laughs> I love pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's where the fun starts. So I guess when we sit down, we're trying to ascertain what the client's after. So are they after a first home? Is it uh, an investment home? Is it their family home because they're moving out of the first home that's now too small for the for the three kids and six dogs and things like that? So we're trying to basically get an idea of what they're after and also a budget as well as a ballpark so we know exactly where they want to be and then from there, again, we'll have a look at the block, look at the view of the sun, what the neighbours are doing, all those sorts of things before we put a concept together. Okay, yeah, because obviously north-facing sun and things like that are mm. important. You've got to get mm. those into the right areas of the property. Exactly. I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud, do you ever get people that have like these grand ambitious plans that like want to build a 1,000 square metre home on a 500 square metre block or something ridiculous? Always, Pat, <laughs> always. <laughs> Champagne taste beer budget. But that's the fun part. Well, I guess we sit down and we try and work through those things. So it might be that there's a, a must-have list. They say we have to have four beds and two bathrooms and a double garage to suit our lifestyle. And then you sort of you work through the others and say, which out of this is absolutely necessary that we've got to incorporate to make this workable? And what are the other things that maybe you could do down the track? Maybe the budget won't stretch far enough to allow it now, but down the track they can be simple additions or changes and things like that to work into the home. All right, cool. So you're sort of thinking about it future-proofing as well. So with exactly. the design and the layout, um, how can we add an extension on when the budget allows for it? Is That's that it. That's uh-huh. it. Exactly cool. that. Yep. Yep, future-proofing, because it might be if this was a five-year plan, this home, you look at it a little bit differently than if it was the forever home where you're going to build it and stay for 20-plus years. So we, we sort of try and work through those issues early on, so we've got a really good picture, so that when we sit down the drawing board, we can get it as close as we possibly can. One thing I've picked up pretty quickly already, you said when we sit down at the drawing board, I've noticed in Melbourne and Sydney, they just seem to have these cookie-cutter homes. Um, that doesn't seem to happen so much here, is that right? No, that's correct, and um, we we have a design and construct service, so we design every house we build, so they're unique, they're not off the shelf, pop it on your block and that'll work. It's mm. actually designed to suit, as you mentioned earlier, the sun, the views, neighbouring properties, what you want in the house, uh, all those sorts of things, and we come up with a design um, that we think will work really well for the block land and the people and their family and what they their wish list, I suppose. And then um, we present that to them with a four-page fixed price quote, okay, which cool. is very important. So they we include everything they ask for. And there are some things that we do exclude, but it's very clear what's not in the quote and what is. 
Yeah, I think that's important, isn't it? Because I've heard of um, people that told me building stories in the past and they're like halfway through construction and then there was another $30,000 for driveway because it only included six square metres and they didn't realise that or different things like that have happened along the way that have pushed that price up dramatically. Yeah, look, it's, it is hard to compare apples with apples, yeah. Patrick and John. Mm. It's um, one of those things where one builder does something one way and another builder does another. So there's a lot. that's what we do. We advise and we make it very clear that this doesn't include landscaping or does include landscaping or you, it doesn't include fencing so you have to keep a little bit of money up your sleeve for that or we can include whatever they like or as little as they like and uh, we just work through that on the quote and uh, see how their budget's going. Well, I suppose uh, after 50 years, I mean, there's obviously a reason why your process works now and I'm guessing from Tasmania's perspective, if you think about all the, the few vacant blocks there are, all the land is very dynamic and I mean by that is some will have you know, be steep blocks or flat blocks and even flat blocks will have no views and um, is it just because of the complexity that it functions much better to say to the client, look, don't grab, don't try and think, don't grab a design that you want on a block that's not going to fit your needs is that where the style then where you guys work has evolved to exactly exactly that if you think about a hobart at just southern taz i guess in general yeah nothing much is flat there's some flat blocks but Mm. the most of it is on the side of a hill if you think about maybe say uh western shore versus eastern shore we've probably got say howrah tramere reasonably steep land with a view to the south overlooking the river so the sun's behind you the views to the south come across the river to the other side, it's the exact opposite. You've got the view to the north and you've probably got, well, you've definitely got the sun to the north as well too. So no two scenarios are ever the same in Hobart. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That must be difficult because obviously people want to capture that view, but then mm. they also want to enjoy mm. a lifestyle where they get sun in that's a lot it. of spaces. So <laughs> Exactly. And have things like, say, decks and outdoor living spaces that enjoy the sun, but at but the same time enjoy the view, the view <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the good fun of Hobart. <laughs> uh, that's where uh, James and his team come into their own because they have to try and manipulate that. And mm. we also have very strict um, regulation now on energy efficiency for homes. So we have to meet a certain star rating. Yeah, is um, that six or seven stars these days? Or? Six stars. Yeah. Um, at the moment. Um, so we have to put that through a software package and it has to be six stars. If it's not, we have to redesign or, or build with different methods to make sure it is six star. And people may not realise, but that can be manipulated by how many windows you've got in the house and the size of those windows. Is that to do with heat escaping or coming that's, in or vice right. versa? That's, we're trying to get sun into the homes yep. in, in Tasmania. So um, it's a different ball game up in Queensland. They're trying to shade yep. in, in summer. So it's, uh, it's specific to um, our climate. Okay. Um, down here, climate zones, and um, we it is a challenge at times because, as James said, you want if you're building in Bell Reeve, you've got these southern views. You want your glass looking down that river and all the yachts, but uh, the sun's behind you at the yeah. other side. Yeah. Of so <laughs> that's that's where a clever design comes into it, and that's the sort of thing we talk to people about when they're purchasing their block and when we design a house for them, making sure that we um, it, it's it's properly orientated for for the best betterment of everyone. My parents are currently building at the moment here in Montrose and um, they've actually built like three entertaining areas to follow the sun around the house. (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, mum's like, I always want to have, you know, barbecue in the sun. So I've got this for the morning if we're having breakfast and this is afternoon and then by late we're up the back here. I was like, God. I love the idea too. progressing bloody party. Every time they have guests around, yeah, there's going to be canapes, different kind of food (laughs) set up at every entertaining It's seven o'clock. Let's move. (laughs) Kind of thinking like, uh, what type of party are we hosting? Is it literally going, all day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting how different people look at different aspects when it comes to building, I guess. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. 
However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at McGregorFN.com. When you said that uh, you do together like a four-quote or four-page quote, how do people go around with fittings and fit-outs and stuff? Because there is so much choice out there now. You've got stone bench tops versus laminates versus, you know, handle-free kitchen benches. Sure. Um, you name the feature, it's out there these days. How do you sort of ascertain where someone is and how much flexibility does somebody get when they're trying to build a home? As far as we're concerned at Ronald Young Builders, we have our standard fixtures on display. Oh, cool. So you've got like a little showroom. Yes, we do. And we show people the types of taps they're getting, their vanities, their kitchen, and that's that's where they start from. And it's a high quality fit out in our opinion, but we are very flexible. We introduce our clients to our suppliers and they can go and choose whatever tap where they like, whatever bench top they like. They meet with our joiners. So we have the philosophy that it's your home. It's, it shouldn't be dictated by us what you have. Uh-huh. Go out, choose those products, and then we just, um, it, if there's price increases for what they've chosen, we, show, we, um, we produce and present that to them and they decide whether or not to go ahead with it. So it works roughly like, say, you've allocated $350 for a bathroom tap and then they go choose a $700 one. It just goes up the Ab- difference. Absolutely, and, and we break all that down for our clients and they can decide whether to proceed with it or not at the end of the day, with their, see how their budget's going. See, this is where I needed you guys when I built because it was just another thousand, another <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably needed that little bit of a spreadsheet to actually think it through. <laughs> it is um, hard to control those things, but at the end of the day, uh, it's it's people's dream, and yep. we understand that. Um, but it also gives them flexibility and a very open and transparent process where um, they can choose what they like. If they're willing to upgrade, uh-huh. they can do that. <clears throat> Yeah, cool. So when you've sort of now, you've chosen your block and you've had a chat to you guys about how to build it and what fittings it has, I probably missed a step. We probably needed to slot in there somewhere, something about finance or how you're actually going to fund a project. Is there certain requirements that banks have or do I have to be able to go, say I'm building a $500,000 house, do I have to go pull down $500,000 and hand over to you guys so you can go build it for me? Or is that like through like a stage development type thing? Or how does it work for me as a buyer to be able to fund a project? I guess typically right at the very start, so probably even before you embark looking for land and talking to builders, you probably want to try and talk to a few banks or brokers and Mm. form a a relationship with one that you feel comfortable with and not get a finance approval, but at least get a ballpark idea on what your budget is all up. Because at least then when you're looking for land and talking to a builder, you know in the back of your mind what you've got to put into this project. Uh-huh. Um, from there, that gives us a good idea what we've got to design to and mm-hmm. what you've got to, to play with. We can get a realistic idea first up of what will fit. There's no point in us designing something that's 500000 if you've got a budget of three hundred or yeah, vice definitely. versa. It's only wasting their time. So if they've got that loose idea on budget, we can work to that. Moving on from that, the bank or broker will want to see a contract at the end of the day before they give you any finance approvals uh-huh. and what have you. Um, with that, we prepare council approvals, contracts, specifications, plans and what have you that they can then take to the bank. And as a part of that contract, we've got a drawdown schedule. So like you said, the example of the $500,000 house, we don't expect $500,000 in cash in an envelope on the first day we start building on site. <laughs> be nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it be would be nice. nice. Yeah. You're getting $500,000 cash envelopes. I'm not sure <laughs> that you're building for in Hobart. I don't think they make envelopes that big anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, there'll be a drawdown schedule. So, And it, it works through a claim process. So basically, as we complete stages of the build on site, we send an invoice to the client, which they will then forward to the bank. 
So there is no $500,000 lump sum. It's a drawdown progress throughout the progression of the build that the so bank that, basically facilitates. So. so that might be something like um, you go and dig the foundations and pour the slab and that's stage one and that's worth X amount of dollars. So the bank Correct. pays for that and then you do the framework and then that's they right. do that and, and so and, on. And there's certain percentage rates and they're set by the finance industry yep. and we all have to meet those. And, uh-huh. and um, the banks sometimes get a valuation at each stage. Yep. Um, sometimes they don't and it works very well. So in other words, uh, your uh, the work's done before you pay for each stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's interesting to know because I'm sure that's something that a lot of listeners would be wondering how they go about it because when you buy an established home or a brand new spec home, so to speak, it's just walking to the bank, the bank go look at the finished product and say, yes, it's worth that and it's done and dusted. But when you're trying to build something that doesn't exist, I was just curious how the finance side of it all works. Very different process, yeah. One of the things that popped in my mind then is, you know, we'll get a phone call every day which is, how much do you charge? You know, if but I guess the thing is, if from your perspective, the way you're describing that process is that people are trying to get you know an answer to the to the end question before even you know asking the right ones, which is okay. Well, you know, which block again, like we've just talked about, which block of land is it? Okay, who are you using for financing? What kind of fittings you want? It's like do you ever. How do you guide someone through asking the right questions, and what questions should we be asking a builder um, bringing you in at the very beginning versus well, how much is it going to cost me? Because it's my mind. I mean, it's an important question, but it's not exactly an easy sure. one to answer and, and it's a really good question too and um that's with our experience if a, as james said a, a client will come to us and they'll have an approximate budget in mind that they can maximum spend on a house and land mm. packaged the bank have told them so we know uh, they know how much the land costs that leaves a certain amount of money for the build yeah and then with our experience we know that what style and size a home and how many bathrooms you can have for that money. And we'll Mm. get their wish list and we'll advise whether we're going down the right path or whether we probably need to rein things in a little bit. And that's what we generally do all the time and we just mould a house around that budget. Yeah, gotcha. 414 Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006 with their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property. They have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. Like obviously there's heaps of different options out there when it comes to buying a brand new home. For me, obviously I know them because I'm a real estate agent, but what's the differences for the average consumer between say, if I was to go out and build it myself or versus a spec home build, what it like? What is a spec home build? A lot of people probably don't understand and what obviously you guys do a lot of contract build is what we've been describing. Mm-hmm. What are the pros and cons between the three different versions of it? And for the average person that doesn't understand the three options, how would you guys best describe the different options that are out there? I guess realistically, at the end of the day, if you buy an existing home um, that's for sale through an agent, you're buying that product. It's predetermined, it's there. If you walk in and love it, great, and go ahead with the purchase. Um, the next step will be a spec home. So that is, it's literally a, a brand new home built for someone but being on sold. So it hasn't been lived in, it's built by a builder or developer and being sold on. So again, you, you buy an existing product, but it is brand new. Um, the third option, which we do, I guess 90% of the time, is where they, they buy the block of land and we custom design something and build it to suit them. And that's probably going to for them the greatest flexibility Flexibility. as far as getting what they want to suit their circumstances, to suit their budget. And at the end of the day, they're walking to something that's brand new, but it's their colours, their finishes, their layout. It's it's their plan. It's theirs. So it's not something that was predetermined that they they thought, yep, 
this will do, we'll buy that and move into it. This is custom designed to suit exactly what they're after. And obviously then with an owner builder, that's just someone going out on their own and just winging it. <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. To an well, extent. Well, that was me. Yeah, I was yeah, an owner builder. Yes, I was just yeah, winging it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, owner builder, I guess, is is um, uh, another step again where someone is building it themselves for their own you know, home purposes and what have you, um, but a very different process. Yeah, um, so they're not they're, using the services of someone like yourself. It's um, exactly. They've got to have contacts, I guess, exactly. in the industry to exactly. be able to It's also to that, that process has got, got a lot harder since you did it, Patrick. Now there are regulations in place and the owner-builder has to do a course at, yeah. um, at the um, Justice Department and have to have insurances and things yeah. like that and a lot of building surveyors aren't comfortable with that because they're not a licensed builder. So it has got a lot harder to, to be an owner builder yep. um, in the, this current day and age with all the regulation and compliance we have to go through. <laughs> and um, I think – and there are reasons for that. There have been over the years – on uh, your place was absolutely brilliant, I have no doubt. But some, <laughs> some, some owner builders haven't had the right contacts and they've bought in tradesmen or contractors who haven't done the right thing and they've been and they're finished with a shanty product. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But in that, in that perspective then, is it the whole purpose of doing an owner-builder in that scenario is, I'm guessing, just to save money on the build. Would that be right? That's the myth. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, it, the people believe they're not paying a builder's margin um, on their build mm. and it has worked well for some people who are maybe a little bit more experienced but mm. it's also left a lot of people in a lot of trouble and with no comeback. Well, there was, we, we, uh, the last podcast we did was, was our perspective on how you choose an agent. It's kind of like, it'd be interesting to see what you guys would be like. If you're looking for a, a builder, right, what would you be looking for? One of the things that I always, always keep in my mind is that if you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait until you hire an amateur. Mm-hmm. And the way I would look, if I was mm-hmm. to do an owner builder, oh my God, it'd be, it'd be, it'd just be, it'd be a terrible idea for me to employ myself to do a build. Yeah, yeah you know? you're exactly right. And the, um, the benefit of in engaging a builder like Ronald Young or all, several other builders around town, there's many of us, but mm. um, is that you do have a one port of call. If there are issues, and issues do happen, you can go to one person, they're responsible, you have a contract in place yeah. and um, you, you you have some comeback. But if you do it yourself, you're leaving yourself pretty open wide to open. open. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there any warranties that come with new homes, so to speak? Yeah, there is. There's um, uh, government guidelines or the government regulation is a six-year structural warranty. Okay. Um, we've increased that to 12 years because we have so much faith in our product. Yep. Mm. There is also um, a defect warranty period after the home's complete, that uh, 12 weeks it's in the contract, that 12 weeks after you've taken possession um, the builder will come back and there might be some minor tweaks that need doing it. Right. A house gets lived in for the first time, the doors, heaters get put. Yeah, doors. doors stick yeah, or taps are like dripping because yeah. they haven't been tightened off that, properly or that's the sort of thing you need to look at and talk to your builder about uh, make sure that all built your builder or your, your contract has that in place and the warranties are in place yeah. they have a defect warranty period and everything like that whenever i sell spec homes which i do a lot of um it's something i always talk to the purchasers about i'm like look the builders go through it and do their final check and they look over everything they can but it's not until you actually move into a home that something surface and it's not that they did a poor craftsmanship it's just that they weren't discovered because they're not living in the property on a daily basis they've they'll try their best to find every little blemish in the place but sometimes things get missed um and when they're working with such large amount of trades um that can be understandable but that's right yeah. and, and i know our process and our building team they have a um at the completion of the job they we have a pretty stringent process whereby we do a uh, at least a 100 
point checklist yep. um, and we, we two people do that so it's a different set of eyes sometimes yep. and um, we generally pick up most minor defects but you never know like you said it's a new house they're built of timber and colour bond more on the roof so they're a moving product and yeah. they're, they're settling in and things do happen but that's what the defect maintenance period is for and um and it's really important that everyone knows that's in their contract. It's funny you say that because a lot of people probably don't realise that homes do move a little bit after they're built. They assume that it's a solid structure and mm. that's it. And when we sort of explain to them, look, you might accidentally get a hairline crack in the plaster at some stage in the next couple of months. Don't freak out. It's just something that happens as the house settles into its footings. And people are like, what, really? They just imagine that a brand new home is built but they have to remember as well that you've dug the foundation you've softened the earth around it to be mm. able to construct the property that's right it takes a little bit of time for it just to that's right to settle back down and sort of mold back into its position yeah and and that's just the um the fact of building that we're using these raw products yeah um there's clay bricks there's timber frames there's color bond roofs and they move differently with heat and cooling and um it's just part of the settlement process but um as long as you have a, a, a reputable builder and a watertight contract in place with uh, your warranties and your defect maintenance periods in place, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, cool. Well, I've got one last question for you guys before we sort of wrap this up. Um, and obviously, we really appreciate your time here today. But what would be your number one tip if you were a person looking to build their first home? What key takeaway or should they be considering if they're thinking about going down this journey? I'd say do your homework. Talk to as many people as possible. Talk to banks and brokers. Talk to real estate agents about land options and pricing. Talk to builders because you're embarking on, a, a, at the very least, I guess, a 12 to 18-month process. And a stressful process for some people, I assume. Potentially, yeah, potentially. So do as much homework as you can early. Talk to people and from that you'll feel comfortable. You'll, you'll find that the path will sort of map itself out for you. You'll meet people that you feel comfortable about dealing with. You'll see land or ideas and things like that that you think this is great this is what we want to do so i guess early on talk to as many people as you can do your research and really just spend time talking and making connections and relationships with people that once you get into the actual nitty-gritty of the, the buying land and the building process you've got a team that you feel absolutely comfortable with yeah. and you can work with throughout the process that's a good point james this is um for most people it's the biggest investment they're making yeah. they're, they're emotionally attached to it it's their dream home um, I, you, you need to have a really open and comfortable relationship with your builder um, and it's not always based on price. You need to look at products, you need to look at reputation and um, as, as James said, ask questions, ask to look at homes they've built in the past, um, look at recommendations and then you form a, form a bond with your builder because it, it is a, a, a relatively lengthy process and mm. it's, it's um, a very, for a lot of people, they're emotionally attached so it's important that... Um, they, they trust their, their builder. Beautiful. Well, thanks heaps for coming in today, guys. Where can people find you if they want to go find some more information about Ronald Young? We're on the corner of Collins and Herring Streets in Hobart. Our website, uh, www.rybuilders.com.au. All the information's there, plans on, on there. But we'd rather you come in, meet our team, and mm. we can have a discussion. It's never too early. We don't care if you don't have a block of land, even if you want to come in and just discuss the process. Beautiful, guys. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. I'm, like I said, a little bit under the pump with working the thing, so I'm keen to get it done. <laughs> but Aaron's back next week, so we're really looking forward to having him back on the mics as well. And thanks heaps for coming in as well, Jamie. We all had the agreement that um, next time, because Aaron's in Noosa, we're not going to do it in the studio. We go to Noosa yep. and do the podcast. We're it? keen on we're, that. We're all on, yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah, on Aaron's favour, say I. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <five>. Beautiful. <laughs> thanks heaps, guys. And thanks, thanks for coming in. Thanks, John. 
You have been listening to The Property Pod, produced and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Real Estate and McGregor First National Propriety Limited. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information.